Hello, friends. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. This episode of the podcast is with Aaron Alexander. Aaron hosts his own podcast, and he is a manual therapist and movement coach. Works in Hollywood with celebrities, professional athletes, and everyone in between. He hosts the top-rated Align podcast, featuring the biggest names in movement and wellness, and his work has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Men's Health, and he is a regular contributor to Paleo Magazine. Uh, I've known Aaron for a while. Uh, I've had him on my podcast before. He's coming out with a new book that I will link to below. Uh, and he always makes me very aware of my posture when I'm around him. He's just one of those... Uh, the philosophy that he brings to movement, I think, is very cool. Um, one thing that he says a lot is how you move through the room is how you move through life. And as a surfer, uh, I have real hunched over shoulders um, and always have for my whole life. And I do notice that there is an immediate shift in confidence when you lengthen your spine and you pull your shoulders back. It really does um, make a huge difference. And there are techniques to it. So we talk a little bit about that in this podcast. We did a co-release. So it was a little bit like he, he interviewed me for a little bit. I interviewed him. Um, and we kind of went all over the place. So, uh, if you want more just strict movement coaching, head over to, um, Aaron's website, which is align, uh, align But, uh, we also recorded this in a sauna, so it was a, a sweaty one. I've never done that before, but I really enjoyed it. Aaron is a very articulate, very smart guy. Um, and, I will get this show going, but I'll also give you a little update. Um, just finished the Motherfucker Awards. Whew, what an undertaking. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who showed up and who contributed to this project. It was a real labor of love, and I'm exhausted and stoked that we pulled it off. And the the real overwhelming feeling for me is just how grateful I am to have so many fucking cool friends who showed up. And um, it felt like, uh, <laughs> I didn't make this, this analogy isn't original, but it, it felt like jumping off a cliff and building the airplane on the way down. And every time I thought that we were going to die, a new friend showed up with the airplane wing or the cockpit that we needed. So people really enjoyed it. The comedians knocked it out of the park. You can go to uh, the Motherfucker Awards Instagram to check out most of the videos. I've been leaking them out slowly, and now I'm basically um, working to get press around it. So if there are any journalists out there that want to report on uh, a show aimed at creating corporate accountability through comedy... Uh, you can shoot an email over to me, info at kyle.surf. Um, the sponsor of this podcast, Santa Cruz Medicinals, also um, I shout them out a lot, but you know, one thing just to kind of, this is how fucking cool they are. We were short a little bit of money like going into this and they stepped up like the week before and just said, hey, you know what? Like we don't need our logo on this or anything. We just, we love what, you, what you're doing. And we want to support you. And they Venmoed me some extra money just so that we could pay for 
these final costs that we needed. So Santa Cruz Medicinals makes potent CBD products. Um, I use their tincture before bed. I think it helps me sleep. I use their CBD coconut oil. I cook with it. They have pain solves, and you can get 10% off by typing in the code name Kyle10 at scmedicinals.com. There are a lot of CBD companies out there. I'm sure there are a lot of great ones out there, but this is a company that has supported me from day one and continue to step up again and again um, when I'm most in need. So if that's the kind of thing that you love, um, you can give your thanks to them by heading over to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name Kyle10 and get 10% off. And with that, I hope you all have a beautiful day and please welcome to the show my man, Aaron Alexander. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. And here we are, in Aaron Alexander's sauna. Yep. Best part of my day so far. Really enjoying this. Yeah, I uh, I woke up this morning to a towed car uh, because there was a Santa race happening on Venice Boulevard. So I've never, I don't think I've ever felt like such a Scrooge in the midst of the holidays because there were men, women, and children all dressed up as Santa Claus, elves, and reindeer running, and their happiness um, had gotten my car towed. Bastards. Bastards. I have this uh, kind of annoying new age kind of turnaround on when I get like tickets and stuff. One, tickets, I take it as, okay, I'm getting to donate to this great state that's done so many good things for me. So I'm like, cool, I'm doing a donation. And then, with, and then with the towing, which it hasn't happened, but nonetheless, you know, hopefully it doesn't anytime soon. But for that, it would be gratitude that it I can afford this experience. Those are both good ways to look at it. And so I was at the tow station, and I also I, I kind of um, uh, I, I will categorize sh- shit that happens to me as physical harm and not physical harm. Like I really, because I've also fucked myself up before. I've snapped my arms four times, had surgeries. I've um, had friends get really injured. I I know people who have died, um, you know, surfing, that kind of thing. And I realized that there really are two different types of trouble that you're in, right? And one is something that happens to your body and one that that doesn't. Um, But I was at the, the toe shop and it was funny because I was there with some other women who also had their cars towed. And like there was this other women, some other women. There's some Put other yourself into that category. It's yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm choosing to be a woman during this podcast. <laughs> Thanks. appreciate that. Uh, there's some other women and me. Uh, and we were all, they were all just kind of complaining about what it is. And I was noticing like, Oh wow, this is the same thing that happens um, for people who are, late for or, or you know where their their plane is late 
you know, we all have this kind of catharsis in complaining together. Oh, yeah, it feels good. It feels good, but it, it doesn't out. because it makes the problem bigger. Oh, it only makes it worse. It only makes but it worse. It feels good in the it moment. Feels, oh, it's like fucking so many good. Yeah, it's like revenge or something. You know, you're like, ah, this was great. And then right after, you're like, ah, well, that just made it worse. Well, we're always looking for ways to create community and connection and rapport. You know, so even if it's in our like misery and our sorrow and how terrible the world is, we'll be together in that. Yes. You know, I did a, I went to Tony Robbins event in the last, I don't know, like five months ago or something like that. Have you ever been to any one of his things before? No. I right. watched his documentary, which I thought was very good. Yeah. It was very fascinating. Um, and one of the things he mentioned in there that I thought was pretty poignant was um, how we will identify, we're always looking for, depending upon where you're at and like the kind of evolutionary psychological hierarchy you're looking for uh, meaning through significance which is some place that i've come from for much of my life and i'm still i, I still witness it you know of like okay i'm do am i doing this because i actually want to be supportive and helpful or, or am i doing this to kind of like find some significance and he was he was saying one of the things that we'll do with the significance is even if it's like how terrible our life is we can hang on to that nugget of how oh i have it worse than anybody and then if someone tries to take that away from you, then you're kind of like naked in the rain. You don't know what to do. Yeah. So, who am I? So, yeah. If I don't hate my life more than anybody, then who, yeah, who am I in the first place? One thing that I have been uh, working on a lot recently is the language that I use around myself and a situation. Yeah. Um, and I just leading up for the month before the Motherfucker Awards, um, working with so many people, having so many problems that needed to get solved every single day, um, I decided that I wasn't going to complain. Um, and this is something that I'm sh you've probably heard of. It's kind of a, a little tactic in the, the self-help world, but it's like the, the no complain challenge mm. where you, you wear a bracelet and or like a rubber band and you're not allowed to complain. And every time you do, you have to switch the bracelet to another hand. And you, and you try and get to 20 days without complaining. Yep. But it it had a significant impact because um, in the production world, all you're doing is solving problems. And it just matters how big you want to make those problems. Yep. So to say, okay, well... That's something that needs to get solved, but how can I flip this? Because another thing that happens if you choose to talk about all the shitty things that are happening to you is you, you talk about them with the person that you're closest to. Oh, yeah. So usually it's like a significant other. And like, so they then just, you're like, hey, here's everything. Now you carry it. It's funny how we can value superficial relationships so much more than the ones that actually have like any meaning in some capacities, like the ones that, you know, you, okay, I know you're not going to leave me, you know, because we're like bound and I, we really love and care about each other. So I'm just going to pour all of my terrible shit on you. Right. <laughs> and, and that new person that I'll never see again. Yeah. They get the good stuff. They get all the good stuff. You show up with your happy face. You're like, man, I am so cool in front of this new person, but someone who I've known since I was a child. Yeah. They get to see the real me. Well, you know, there's, there's also this, um, this weird mental thing that we slip into where we become an old version of ourselves around an old person. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it was, mm -hmm. I, I know that you were listening to that Ramdas tape in, uh, in your house there. And I think it was Ramdas who said, anyone who thinks they're enlightened should just spend a week with their family. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, it's it, all that old stuff comes up. All that old, all those old behaviors, ways of speak, speaking about yourself. Um, 
it really kind of you get trapped or even um you know possessed by a past self yeah yeah he talks about i was I'm reading the untethered well listening to untethered soul michael singer book uh presently which is like i've only i literally just started but he starts off getting into similar stuff of ramdas and like like who is your somebody when you say self what do you mean exactly you know and ramdas talked about in one of his discourses of how we're raised by professional somebodies you know your your mom is a mother and she's a maybe a school teacher and your dad is a stockbroker and he's a, you know all these different that, that was what my dad did um you know and so they're teaching you how to be a somebody and they're praising that that role when you know when you can build into that ego it's like cool you're doing a great job you're a hockey player you know but when you underneath all of that like that somebody can change in in an instant you know and then Joe Campbell talks, Joseph Campbell talks about detribalization and, you know, the value of you need to get out of your ordinary world in order to kind of realize that that was just one of the, your coats of somebodyness. And then you can look back and be like, oh, okay, cool. That, well, here's another somebody. And all these people are these somebodies. And then eventually we're just, you know, underneath it all, I think we're pretty much the same shit. Well, and we, we know this, right? Even in our language, we use terms like, um, I don't know what got into me. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, what I don't what did get into you? Or uh, I was beside myself. Like, but totally. I was beside who? Uh, this was a, a. I did a podcast with um, James Fadiman, the microdosing mm-hmm. kind of guru, and he talks a lot about this because psychedelics kind of open up that version of somebody's, you know, and you start to question the ego, and you start to question who you really are, and, and it kind of gives you permission to open up into new somebodies, mm-hmm. which I think, I mean, that's, that's the power of, um, in, that's the power of pretending and acting, mm-hmm. I think too. Like, I don't, have you ever done like improv or anything like that? A little bit, but not as much as I would like to. You dig it. Yeah. I, I, I can tell, I mean, you're a, you're a goofy weirdo and, yeah. and improv is like this space for goofy weirdos to just like, all right, w- let's see what happens to you, Aaron, if you just fully turn up your like maniacal evil self yeah and in this scene you're gonna have permission to do that i think we're afraid to do that because of um i think it's very interesting like something i i I learned about myself with the creation of this book um is for most of my life i have padded or insulated myself with um, some excuse of like, oh, I, you know, I didn't get enough sleep. I was, you know, oh, I didn't, I didn't really try that hard for that. Like that was a pattern or a habit. Speaking of habits, um, that I got into like since high school, you know, and kind of walking around and slouching my shoulders forward and sitting in the chair like I don't really give a shit and just letting everybody know like, by the way, I could do a lot better if I actually tried. And that became this habitual thing that kind of actually ended up almost like suspending me from you know, doing anything, I think, meaningful for the most part, because I was always, I had that habit of, oh, I didn't really care, I didn't really try. Mm-hmm. And with a book was the first, I think, real, like, foray or opportunity into, like, okay, I'm going to try the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, and I, and I, and <laughs> I may is... fail. But I'm going to let it all out. You know the UFC <laughs> fighter John Jones? Uh-huh. So John Jones talked about this, about how before every big fight, he would um, the week weekend before he would get blacked out drunk, mm. and he said that he, the reason for that was because then if he failed, he could say, oh, "I didn't, I didn't really try. Oh, I, I wasn't wow. really giving it my all." I think I, I wonder how many people do that and don't realize it. Oh yeah, 
I mean, and that's so I think with the improv thing with that it's like okay well it's like singing is another example of that sorry to interrupt you but but a tendency that I'll have is I will sing a lot but it's always goofy weirdo nonsense yeah. You know, like, okay, well, we know he's not really trying. He's just being silly, and he's kind of getting a little bit of that sing out. But if I actually really, okay, this is, okay, yeah, I'm going to sing. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, God, it's like this this more truer expression of you. If you if you wear that true expression of yourself, then it, you make yourself vulnerable to, um, you know, be, like, left or unloved or whatever. Yeah, whenever yeah. girls tell me I was shitty in bed, it's always just like, she wasn't trying, I wasn't babe. trying. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I was exactly. like, I wasn't even neat there. I was half asleep. Yeah. So when did you become <laughs> aware that you were going through life uh, giving yourself handicaps? I mean, I think, the, the, I mean, really, sadly, only, I think, recently, I've really been watching this. Um, I think probably psychedelics is, is perhaps in part of that, of, of, of kind of stepping outside of yourself and kind of seeing the potential of what you could be and bring to the world and bring to yourself and your relationships and all that, and then be beside yourself in a sense and be able to look in and be like, okay, well, this is where you're at. Here's where you ought to be, you know, in like the, you know, the mushrooms opinion or whatever. Do you feel now like you deserve success? Like if you really tap in and ask yourself that question yeah that's, how, how that's does interesting. how does that's that the, feel i think that's the i think that's the question it's it's what you feel like you deserve <laughs> it, it did. I mean, that is the question because if because <laughs> a lot of yeah. ambitious people um on their darker days and i would i would put myself in this category have a background thought that i deserve to die I, and and that doesn't mean that I, I'm not suicidal. I don't have that. But but that feeling that if you're not successful, if you don't make your mark, then you don't deserve to be here on this planet because you haven't earned your spot, hmm. which creates so much intensity around the project because it is your, it's your everything, yeah. right? So I mean, you're a motivated guy. How do you feel? How's your relationship to? Um, how you feel you deserve? Do you feel that you deserve success? Yeah, that's a really good question, man. I like this one. Um, I still feel. I mean, I still. There's an underlying habitual thought of like, I, I think I I can do more, and then that's the interesting thing is like it's kind of like people that have you know the, the false summits kind of perhaps like what you're describing you know you get to the end of that project which means i'm validated by the tribe and people love me because i've did this thing and then after as soon as that's done you're like okay well i need another project to be validated by the tribe yeah <laughs> fuck immediately <laughs> that's my whole life right <laughs> and so i think my habitual pattern is underlying you know anything that i do there's like oh i could do more i could do more i could do more you know, and so it's like the question, I guess, would be like, is it safe to just, you know, be? Right. <laughs> is that safe? <laughs> right. And there's a lot telling you that you won't be safe. Yeah. Because if you do, if you can't bring money in, you'll lose your house. And then you'll be one of those people out on Santa Monica Boulevard asking for money. I mean, it, it's a real fear it's not it's not something i mean some of it's made up in our mind but a lot of it is the result of this zoo that we're in where we see people who make a few bad decisions and they really slip through the cracks and no one is 
there to catch them. Yeah. Well, it's in sacred economy. You know that Charles, you did a podcast. Yeah. yeah, with I've, Charles, had, right? yeah I've had him on. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I love that book and he describes very well, um, which I, I don't. So I apologize in advance. I'm not going to go too in depth with it. Um, but just the, the, the way that our financial institution mold is constructed is such that it's about deriving value, monetary gain through any means possible, including destroying resources or destroying each other. You know, as long as the numbers keep on rising, then, you know, those barcodes of people, they can end up in the streets or those trees can die or the oil can be spilled, whatever. The numbers are going up because that's what it's kind of built on. And it would be an interesting world. I don't know how to manifest this exactly. Perhaps it's like at an individual level, but if somehow we could creep, we could gain value by doing good by each other and gain value by like taking care of the forest or taking care of. Yeah. Well, you see a few good examples. Uh, You see a few good examples of that. Like, one is my surf sponsor, Patagonia, that from the beginning made a lot of these really expensive decisions that help the environment. You know, and yeah. they put a huge amount of their marketing into activism, into keeping open spaces open. And they have a diehard fan base that supports them for that. But they are an exception to the rule, unfortunately, because a lot of that... Um, uh, there's a, a term called B corporations where the corporation is taking into account more than just profit. They're also taking into account people and planet. Mm. Um, but it's kind of more than anything. It's just a nice sticker that then um, consumers that care can support you with. Um, but unfortunately it is the, the system is um, not only doesn't incentivize that kind of behavior, it actually incentivizes the opposite because it only is looking at, um, how much money can you make for your shareholders? And corporations are actually legally bound to do that. Um, like a corporation is an, it's an externality machine the same way that a, a shark is a killing machine. Yeah. You know, they, they want to maximize profits and privatize those profits um, and then socialize costs. And different, different companies have different costs. You know, like, uh, for example, I don't think Patagonia ha- is having a hugely negative impact on the world. But as you mentioned, resource extraction, um, there are a lot of companies that their whole model is based off of resource extraction. And the process of creating their product makes people sick, gives them cancer, um, you know, gives their kids asthma. And who bears that cost? Um, We kind of went off on the, I mean, this is now more like looking big picture social systems, but I think that because uh, I want to dig more into to you and your book and kind of your mindset no, this ar- around this because, um, you know, there's uh, how, how do I say this? Like there's there's the book. Right. And you did it. And it's I just I saw the physical copy looks fucking awesome. And then there's also your feeling about yourself in relationship to the book. Yeah. Right. So I guess the question is, you know. Hold on, we're not done talking about this this financial stuff. Okay, we can we can get back into so that. Go, so so it's funny. I wanna, like I, 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 I want to force you back on the track. So okay. like, there's a a, a, sure. a a quote that popped up from Terrence McKenna. Like paraphrase, he said yeah. that, that society isn't your friend. You know, society works for itself. Yeah. You know, so at the individual level, um, society, the corporation, that entity, it, it it it's not built to give a shit about the individual. It's kind of like a skin cell on your body. 
you know so like the the grander organism of kyle if you scuff off some skin cells you're like cool whatever you know it's all, all part of it and so it's an interesting thing of like well you know are we more than a corporation are we more than this you know herd that's moving into a direction and if me you know aaron or you kyle all of a sudden is a scuffed off skin cell that's left in the street and starving and you know can't afford to feed themselves is that is that okay yeah. <laughs> you know you gotta let the skin cells go is that a capitalistic perspective Whew. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think a lot about this. I mean, this what you're really talking about here is the the reason why I'm doing the motherfucker awards. Yeah, right. Because all of the the companies and lobbying groups and politicians that that we're um, highlighting here have sociopathic business models, and oh, that man. that really is what it comes down to. Is 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 your business model sociopathic or is it um, empathetic? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that. Um, it probably needs a combination of both it, it, every now it, and again. There's a moment it, where you have to, like, say, Tony Hawk or Laird Hamilton, or right? there's like a moment where you're looking at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm the fucking best in the world. Yeah. You know, and then you go out there and you do that shit. Yeah, big time. Well, and, and I also don't think that, I think that there should be a relationship between um, authority and, um, I think there should be a, a relationship between authority and skin in the game, right? So that doesn't mean that there isn't hierarchy in, in a just and equal citizen, equal system, because like, for example, you had a bunch of people working on your book. Yeah. Uh, you put the most amount of work into the book, meaning you should make the final decision, right? Like, I think that there is that kind of like, we're going this direction and we're doing it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that what's, what's wrong is when you, I mean, let's just, let's just take, um, an example, like, uh, you know, one that's in my, the surfing world, plastic pollution, right? So there is, and, and we'll take the example of uh, the company Coca-Cola, which for the second year in a row was recently identified as the largest plastic polluter globally. Mm. So there were beach cleanups done in 42 countries around the world, 70,000 volunteers identifying the companies that were, that uh, found that, that the plastic was found on the beach most often, right? So they found Coca. All right, it's Coca-Cola products. A lot of it is in these Asian countries where Coca-Cola is. They're shipping their plastic prod, uh, products to single use, um, and they know full well that the people have no way of dealing with those products, right? So they're making profit on the front end when they they sell that plastic Coke bottle, mm. but they know then that when it goes to a country like Indonesia it's just going to end up in a river or it's going to get burned and it's going to have this negative impact on society and the natural environment. So the question then is who should bear that cost? I believe that just like a human, I mean, corporations are legal people actually, which is kind of crazy concept to think about. But um, I think that just in the way that that you, Aaron, you know, you might make a shit ton of money off your book here, but if you're a shitty person to others, people won't want to hang out with you. Yeah. I think that similarly, corporations should account for more of the costs that they're forcing society to bear. So I think that that the right choice for Coca-Cola would be to set up waste infrastructure in the developing countries that they put their products in. I think that it would be the right decision of Coca-Cola to figure out how they could reduce their plastic as much as possible. And they should be legally able to also. I mean, that's that's another thing is that we should be able to take... I, I think that the process of making a, a corporation public 
and then forcing the CEO to make as much quarterly profits for the shareholders as possible is what drives a lot of these bad incentives. Because hmm. even if the, if the CEO you know, has some epiphany and listens to some Ramdas tapes over the weekend and then comes back Come into the board. In the sauna. Yeah. Like, hey guys, you know, we, we, we are destroying the planet with this single use plastic. This is the issue that we will, our generation will be defined by really. I mean, if you, if you look at what we are leaving right now, the difference between what our parents were doing, our parents were what they would reuse things. They wouldn't waste products. They wouldn't use something just once and throw it away. That's that's a problem that our generation is bearing now. And these are products that are petroleum-based and they're going to be around for thousands of years. So our children's children's children are still going to be dealing with this plastic. Yeah. right? So what what is the legacy? How do you want to be remembered? And if you are a powerful corporation, I think that those are very serious questions that you need to ask yourself. Yeah. So I, don't, I, I think that it's um, it's a it's a fair analogy to between humans and corporations because corporations are seen as people. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it pops up as you were saying, it's on trend to just, you know, get throw away your plastic shit and get new plastic shit and just do that on repeat. And I think a lot of that comes from your, your somebodyness and your identity, which was originally kind of hacked into by probably lots of people, but Edward Bernays, who you're, I think you're probably familiar with, he's like the, you know, he's like the father of modern advertising, he's like the nephew yep. of Simon Freud. Yep. And in tapping into people's identities based off of their consumption is the way that you get them to really buy your shit. And I think it's, it's a, a, an interesting question for people to ask themselves of like, who am I, for the most part, who the somebody that we like to identify with at least perhaps me you know it's got this new phone with three cameras and all that's like it makes me feel a certain oh, it way feels so good getting you know, a new, like, a new oh, yeah. sexy new thing yeah. i love it so totally, much you know and for so, like six hours I yeah my so other much. phone's probably floating down some river in the amazon right now fucking jerk you yeah. know and but 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 another way i mean whatever i get back to the amazon to apple whatever they do i don't know um but nonetheless i feel like our identity that we've been sold is that you will be a more lovable person if you have this new sparkly shit and you just get rid of your other stuff in any way. It doesn't really matter. It's gone. It's out of your life. People are just going to see the sparkly stuff. Whereas another perspective of, of one's somebodyness could be I'm the type of person that reuses things and I'm handy and I fix things and I sewed my pants. Oh, and I left I on, <laughs> on my another... short time here on planet Earth, I left the campsite a little bit nicer than I found yeah. it. It's just what an, a concept. It's, it's just an it's just another form of somebody to attach to. Well, you know, this this is a a, a conversation that actually goes back to um, the 60s um, because in the 60s it's largely coupled with the psychedelics movement was the first time really that people it was a it was the first time that they saw a photo of the whole earth right yeah, so they right. got to see themselves from space the unicity thing um, and it was the first time oh, that, overview effect sorry that's when it's the sorry, overview I'm effect interrupting but overview yeah. effect is yeah so it, it was it was also the first time that you had a lot of these movements that took into account a larger system. This is when um, Nixon created the EPA, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the Endangered Species Act. All of this came out of a, a rise in consciousness and a shift in consciousness. You see policy imitate consciousness in the same, in the same way that you, we see you know, mass incarceration now in this country. It, it imitated a mindset that we've had for the last 20 years around throwaway people. You make a mistake, 
we want revenge. We want to lock you up for 25 to, to life. I think that the opposite of that was f- for the first time, you know, since, I mean, really since the, the Industrial Revolution, people started to look at themselves within this greater system. They started to realize, hey, we're, we're operating a linear economy on a finite planet, and you can't do that forever. And we're starting to see the problems of this, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, similarly with, with, in regards to policy imula- uh, imitating consciousness, there was a, I don't know if you ever, um, this, the first Earth Day was 1970, April 1970. And uh, around that time, there's this very famous ad called the Crying Indian ad. I don't know if you ever heard of this, but it was a it was PSA all over national news with an, uh, a Native American, and he's canoeing through this river full of plastic. And at the end of the commercial, it says, people start pollution. People can stop it, mm-hmm. right? And that then gave way to recycling. But what you didn't know in that commercial is that it was backed by an organization. Well, the first thing you didn't know is that the Native American guy was actually played by an Italian guy. The second thing you don't know is that that ad was backed by a group called Keep America Beautiful that was backed by Coca-Cola. And it was a response to a new tax put on single-use products. So Coca-Cola's marketing team got together and they said, we need to shift the conversation to make people feel like they carry the burden of this waste. We're just supplying the products, but hey, it's on you how you dispose of this, Mm. right? which gave way to the recycling, right? Put it in the blue bin, that's all good. In reality, the blue bin just means that it goes off to some country in Asia where they have different uh, recycling standards, and it's not nearly good enough if we're we're living on a finite planet and we're trying to get to a zero-waste economy. That's not nearly good enough, but it allows corporations to keep growing, Mm. right? It allows them to continue to produce more and more and more and more if you feel responsible for that product. Yeah. It's like we need to have... If we don't have little micro traumas, visible apparent micro traumas, then eventually that that builds and builds and builds into an extreme macro explosive volcanic eruptive trauma. Oh yeah! <laughs> and so it's like the the name of the game, based off of like Eisenstein's sacred economy economics, at least, is kind of we'll just keep on cushioning the numbers to kind of keep this ball rolling for as long as we can. Meanwhile, there is a hand full of humans that are like this is gonna hurt yeah <laughs> yeah this is gonna hurt so <laughs> on, man it's like it's like uh you know the way lance armstrong described like hit when he was you know, taking epo and the heat and and uh interviewer asked him he's like well did you have anyone telling you like hey this could really you could fall hard here and he's like dude it was like an industry behind me of yeah, just exactly. yes men people being like right no let's do this we're making so much money making this happen like you become I, I always wonder you know like i'm i'm here harping on corporations but i was also born into a hippie little surf town called santa cruz and i wonder if i was born on wall street as an investment banker if i would be doing that you know because those were my peers like i'm not convinced that i'm morally superior i think that i it just the self that i fell into was part of a community that had values around uh planetary regeneration i think as long as you are convinced that you are morally superior you will never 
be a part of any solution for progress because the opponent there should be no opponent you know it's always in, how do we gain relationship with mm, it's a good point you know i think i might be making this shit up but for the metaphor sake it's fine i think gandhi said something along the lines of like the british he was like it's not enough that we're just like getting them out we need to actually make friends with them you know so if there's some people in your soil and they're messing up your stuff and they're you know raping your whatever's and they're killing your land it's like how do we see the world from their perspective, you know, and how do we actually figure out where, what's the source of all this and how do we make relationship? Because they're just, if we kick them out, we're just going to, they're just going to go and fester and dwell on how they can come back and hurt us even worse. You know, so with anything with like the Coca-Colas or whatever, you know, I think it's like, how do we gain relationship with them? Um, you know, another unnecessary quote, Martin Luther King, said something along the lines of paraphrasing, like if the if your adversary or opponent um, knows that you have, what is it, if you have, um, oh, I'm spacing the word for like malicious intent or dis, I'm spacing the thing. If, you, if your opponent knows that you don't like him, there's some, some word for malicious intent, like you don't, you don't like him, then you'll never be able to actually create peace with that person. Mm. You know, if they can sense underneath all of that, like, oh, this person hates me. It doesn't, there's the, everything from that point forward does not matter. Wow. There's no conversation to be had, you know, and you can see that anytime with like the vegan conversation or carnivore dietary types, like they start the, okay, I'm a vegan and you're an omnivore. You know, if they start off like, I know this fucker is a Jesus wrong. He's confused. There's no conversation from that point forward. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> it's you know, so, so we, much easier said than done. Yeah. We, we, so I think we need to put um, ourselves into the shoes of whoever the adversary is and actually like learn how to. This sounds like some new age Venice, you know, bearded hippie stuff. Hey, but we're recording a podcast in a sauna the right now. And, 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 you're, and you're bearded. So <laughs> we're there. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> But think, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. <laughs> like, what have we become? But I think oh God, there's some dude in West Virginia, Virginia, <laughs> listening to this. Like these fucking hippies. Yeah, I think as soon as I messed up the Martin Luther King quote, he probably probably hung up. The, well, one the one King quote is, uh, "Hate cannot drive out hate; only love can do that." Yeah, I'm sure he said various different. You know, ways. and I yeah. and I that that's part of it, right? So if you do have an adversary, and this is different than what I see some people in the New Age movement doing you know there are some people that approach problems by making them not exist because they're in a position where they're privileged enough to not need to identify what the issue is so they only focus on the positive and oh my gosh i'm so blessed it's such an amazing day and they're you know walking by homeless people that are addicted to meth like yeah. no that's that's a reality too right but how do we how do we take that on which is really difficult to do yeah. because people don't like to see people suffering. You know, Louis C.K. has this great bit about how he was like his cousin. He, he was, comes in on the subway and his cousin's from like the Midwest and he goes to see him on, in New York and uh, they're walking through the subway station and he sees this homeless guy and this homeless guy is like, he's really homeless. Like he's in his own vomit and shit and he's just laying out and people are walking by and his cousin goes, sir, are you okay? Like, sir, we, we need help. And, and, CK is like, no, no, please come with me. Come with me. Right. Like we're so adaptive. We start to make these things feel normal, even though they're really not. Yeah. We don't like to see people suffer. Yeah. But I think that, the, I mean. But we become numb and calloused to it. 
because it's it's just we think it's what we have to do, and perhaps it is. We justify it, you know. Maybe, I, I've got... maybe in the world that we're presently in, it's a necessary justification because if not, your world would be overrun with just giving money away to every homeless person that or, you see, and eventually you wouldn't have your own oxygen mask on. You know, I know. It's just one belief system. I, I know a couple firefighters that have a real hard time with it because every night they're dealing with homeless people ODing, they're dealing with filled hospital beds, um, they're dealing with a lot of people that have made bad choices in their lives, and these firefighters don't know how to reckon with that. So I, I know some that have, th their outlook is kind of like, fuck these people. Like, yeah. I'll do my job, but like, I don't feel empathy for these people, because they see it on that visceral night-to-night I've heard level. the same thing with quadriplegics. I was literally just talking to a nurse recently, and she's like, yeah, man, it's like I have so much compassion and empathy, but there's sometimes where it's like people are like, they just want so much, and they're like so scared and tired. Like I think of this with, uh, it was, it was Martin Luther King thing was, uh, if your opponent has an under, know that you have an underlying contempt for them, was the language right. used. Right, yeah, contempt. So if you have that word. underlying contempt there, you need to address that contempt and then move from that position. Um, I was well, going to say which is but. well it's also why you know I think that the the energy metric is so important like if because you will get drained and I and I'm you know working on the motherfucker words was was working with a lot of real hardcore uh, activists that are in this world all year long and it's hard for a lot of them to live in the fight and I think that I mean I'm real scared of burning out like I, I want to yeah. do as much as I can, but I'm also terrified that I will become angry and, you know, an old curmudgeon. And I think that doing things that give you energy, even if they feel very self selfish and even if they aren't the greatest for the planet, you could make the argument is actually benefiting yourself and benefiting the community because you're going to show up like less of an asshole. Yeah. Well, that's so that goes into the the vegan conversation, which I don't have a strong opinion on almost anything nutritional other than um, it's about the story behind the food that you ingest more than the food itself, whether you call it an apple or an egg or a beef or, you know, whatever you call it, what's the history behind that? That's, that's the real meaning of the, the nutritional story, in my opinion. Um, but that's, oh man, I'm spacing, man. I'm getting too hot. I had, a, okay. story, I had a story. Oh, the vegan stuff. Yeah. So with, with, with the vegan thing, if you think that you are, again, I don't have a stance on this, but I've heard this from Paul Cech. Uh, if you think that you're saving the planet by augmenting your nutritional consumption to something that may not be optimal for you, but you're not hurting the animals, you as the human animal is the only species that dictates the, the future of Earth. You know, like everything else is a part of the system and it's like this perfect union and it's, you know, it's cycling and filtering and doing all the things. But humans are the only, like, deer don't have access to a button that can literally destroy everything. Right, that's a great point. Uh, but, you know, that's a damn good movie idea. Right. We gotta write this. So How with, is this movie not been made? And so within that, if you look at it from more of, like, that overview effect or Gaia or Unicity or any of that stuff, you know, and we're like, okay, we all are one organism if you don't think that earth is one organism and you're just a cell on that i don't think you here's some thought about it enough yeah you haven't thought about it enough yeah. <laughs> like, meet my friend kyle kingsbury and his friend tmt exactly. <laughs> he'll tell you otherwise yeah. you haven't met kyle yet if that's what you think yeah. <laughs> 
let Mr. Kingsbury put a blindfold over you and now just inhale. (laughs) But so within that, um, it is important, you know, to support the human race or species, animal, to make the best decisions, which oftentimes I think the best decision is to get out of the way. But you perhaps need the 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 necessary nutrition or have that judgment of like okay i need to get out of the way whereas if you are deprived of b whatever folic whatever you know whatever whatever you may be deprived of your brain might start thinking a little funny i didn't mean to make this a vegan meeting no but i mean but. well it's it, 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 it's it, I, I think that what we're kind of circling around here is uh how if you want to you know what's the, what's the Jordan Peterson quote? If you want to change the world, make your bed, oh, yeah. clean your room. You know, make like, sure you're invited back to the party. Yeah, and I and I think that that's um, that's that's an important aspect of it. And then I always you know we, we get in these conversations about big social change and um, I, like one of my favorite examples of of change is uh, it, it was a story about um, a group of surfers in the UK and uh, th- in the UK in the nineties. Most of the beaches there were not passing minimum sewage requirements. Mm. So surfers were getting sick all the time, and they were sick of getting sick. Um, so this small group of a dozen or so surfers started knocking on the doors of their local parliament um, and making their voices heard and telling them that this issue mattered. And they kept knocking on the doors, and they're just their local city spot. And over time, they were able to get a bill passed that required minimum basic um, safety for sewage. Now, over 90% of the beaches in, the, in all of the UK passed that minimum requirement. And it was really just a group of a dozen or so guys and gals that tried to change something on their local level. Um, and I think that similarly, the way that change happens most efficiently and and really ever at all is it's not from the top down i mean it's it comes from a few people coming up with a good idea and then passing those blueprints along to other people i mean if you would have told me 10 years ago that every state in the country was going to have um gay marriage legalized i told you you're crazy right but that didn't happen from the top down it happened from a few people getting together and coming up with a creative way to make their voices heard and goddamn I don't, know, I don't care what you think about gay people, but they are sure creative. They they come oh, yeah. to, they come up with some damn good slogans and colors, and they make their voices heard. So. It's wild how we come to accept everything as normal, like the belief that gay people are going to go to hell, for example. <laughs> like, growing up, I was like, yeah, I mean, if you suck a dick as a man, <laughs> you're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> like what like next like, question uh, yeah, like, imagine, imagine like trying to explain that to an alien life form and they're like wait so what's what's a dick okay so, so if that goes into your mouth okay and what's this hell place you're talking about eternal fire and damnation wait, and you go there like this like is there like an uber or a plane ride like no 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 just like your soul and it's yeah. it's down is it in the bottom of the earth or the center of the earth yeah. i don't know yeah yeah, it's the same we, thing with Thanksgiving. Same thing with Christmas. We're buying all these fucking Christmas trees to support some mushroom Finnish holiday or whatever. So, so, so I got a question for you while we're on the the Hopi changey stuff. Okay, um, where have you seen the biggest impact in your work? Has there been a is there a person or a moment that you like had or said something where you're like oh this is really good feedback that i'm on the right track 
Yeah, I mean, now I get it like more than ever, which is very exciting and actually has been very helpful with my own, I mean, it sounds really kind of trite and sad, but like my own self-love validation of like, okay, cool, like I'm, all right, I feel kind of safe. I feel like the tribe is accepting. Right. You know, yeah. like they want me to keep going. Right. You know, so that's, I mean, it's a little sad that I have to like wait for external validation for that to happen, but nonetheless, it's starting to happen more. Um, but I think the thing that is interesting, like I got a message literally just before this from this person that was doing, um, I have an online program thing and they were, they were asking about, they are like, uh, it was a female, I'm 60 plus years old, she said, and I'm not able to get up and down off of the ground. Like, can you help me? And just to me, hearing that as something like a conversation that somebody is having, um, to me feels very rewarding. And just those little micro adjustments, such as something as simple as like, get a comfy rug in your house and get some floor cushions and, you know, spend some time just like throughout the day when you're checking your email or maybe eating breakfast or something like that, just get all the way down and all the way up and seeing because it's not a, a big ask. You know, I'm saying like just get down to your knees at some point throughout the day and back up and seeing hearing from, you know, people regularly saying how much this little like almost like nothing detail that we've suggested to add into their lives or incorporate into their lives all of a sudden is making this huge difference. And they have more energy and their hips feel better and they feel more playful and they're like playing with their kids now and they're having oh, I had sex with my wife on the floor. It was great. It was crazy, you know, because all of a sudden I'm starting to open my life up through this kind of little like, like the thin end of the wedge is this the smallest of little details um so that's not really answering a question of like a no, specific but it, well, moment well, but. but it is in the way that you're a you're a communicator that's if if you really step back and like what you're spending most of your time doing it's not actually movement it's communicating movement yeah it's and, shifted. And it's, it's figuring out a way that you can tell a story or communicate it in a way that it will get somewhere deep in someone's mind and then they'll think of you know you or that thing that you said when they wake up in the morning hmm. and um i mean you and i are both podcasters and i i not nearly enough people like just know or talk about how much time podcasters spend figuring out the best way to explain something well only through trial and error and right messing. i mean there's so many times even listening to almost any conversation that is very I mean, every now and again, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I don't know where that came from. Exactly. Yeah. It's typically if it's good, I always say, I don't know where the fuck that came from. Right. If it's if it's bad, you're like, you <laughs> fucking idiot, Aaron. You yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah, oh, right. Isn't that you deserve this. Yeah. If I say something that I'm like, oh, I don't think that fact was correct. Right. <laughs> I'm like, that was me. But the stuff that just comes out, I'm like, oh, that wasn't me at all. Who was that? Where did record, that come press from? Record, press record. <laughs> Aaron has left the room. And then someone comes up to you and they're like, Aaron, you really inspired me, man. Thank you. Like, damn, a fraud. Yeah. So what, so, so in regards specifically to movement, um, have you figured out ways like, or, or shifts in the way that you've communicated that have gotten people off of their asses? Yeah. You need to make sure that you don't have an underlying layer of contempt for the other, mm. you know, like you need to love the society love western culture love people where they're at and that's why the thing that i'm suggesting in the align method book that releases december 24th no big deal um (laughs) 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 Um, it's all subtle stuff like the the first the introduction the, the like the last i think it's the last paragraph of the introduction 
we use a, an analogy of like a, a golfer swinging in a golf ball and you, you have the, the open face of the club. If it's any which direction on off, what have you by just, you know, a centimeter at first, you don't notice anything, you know, but then after 50 yards, 80 yards, a hundred yards, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, okay. That's where the ball landed. And that's what we're saying with the whole financial stuff as well. You don't know that you throw your plastic bottle away today. You're like, Oh, boop, no big deal. You know, it's like, well, I think your golf club, I think the face was a little off on that trash throw you just did, you know, and then yeah. all of a sudden in 10 years, 20 years, we see this huge, what's the same shit with movement? You know, how you do anything is how you do everything. So the way that you pay attention to your home, your home is a reflection of your self-worth and the way that you, you know, the way that you perceive yourself. You know, so if you're the type of person that's like, you know, I'm like a put together, open, spacious, flexible kind of guy. You're like, okay, cool. Well, your house will probably be pretty open. It'll probably be light. You know, you might have some things to hang off of, or you might have some like a place to be on the ground and play. Maybe like Kyle Kingsbury again. You might have floor mats so you can like wrestle with your kids. Oh, he loves those floor mats because he identifies with his floor mats. He identifies with I'm a play. I'm a MMA fighter. I'm the you know the director of human optimization at on. I'm like, I do this physical, mental. Like I I, I do this. Because he's identified with that that somebodyness, you know. So if you can get, I'm going all sorts of tangential directions, but if you can tap into gain relationship with the other, you know, um, then from there we can start having real meaningful conversations and plant seeds that may turn into these oak trees of like them being able to get up and down off of the ground when they're eighty. Wow. Is there a, a movement or a kind of series of movements that just if you walk into an elevator with someone and they they hit the top floor and they're like oh what do you do and you're like oh well i you know, work on movement and alignment and you have two minutes and they say oh well what can i do do you have uh just a quick kind of playbook that you can give them really like what what do you recommend for someone in that elevator depends um if it's a person that's like someone that i know that they're inclined towards challenges and stuff like that i'll say this week just all i want you to do is just hang for a minute and a half in total. So that would be 15 seconds, six times a day, whatever it may be. There's a whole book by a guy called Dr. John Kirsch called Shoulder Pain? Question mark. He was an orthopedic surgeon that found, um, he said a ridiculous number, 99% of his patients, I, I feel like it would have to be lower than that, but nonetheless, that's what it says in his book, um, that would go through a hanging protocol each day for the span of like a couple weeks would end up not needing the orthopedic surgery for the shoulder impingement that was causing them all this pain. You know, so that's something to me, it's like, okay, um, just try this thing. I'm not asking a lot. You know, do this. If you're having a shoulder thing, your shoulders are slumped forward. You have forward head posture. Your spine feels kind of compressed and you just feel kind of like, ugh, collapsed. Like just do that. And then, you know, let's talk. But with anything, it's all, it's all about the thin, the thin edge of the wedge. You know, if you come in with somebody with the, the other side of the wedge, like it's not going to work. And that's the thing that you see a lot of people, especially I think older people perhaps because they're not from the Instagram generation. Um, you know, so that's like the medium is the message, you know, Marshall McLuhan is a, he's kind of, he gets into how, you know, we're formed by the mediums in which we consume information much more than the information itself. The information itself is kind of minutia. You know, it's, how are you holding that phone? How are you going to school sitting in that desk? How are you concealed? And that's why we wanted to do this, this podcast up on the roof. So we'd open the roof up and we're being formed by this sauna right now in a great way. You're also formed by walking in the park. You're also I feel like I'm turning in into a puddle. Like if, there, <laughs> if, my, if there was yeah. a form of Kyle yeah. right now, it's a puddle. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's great. And it's, man, it's so, um, it's such good advice because it's so easy also to 
overdo it with people and be like, oh, yeah, well, you're you going to do, do this, that. this, 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 and that. And then the compliance rate is just so low. Yeah. I feel like that really is the secret of Tim Ferriss's success. Sure. Like, yeah. that's what he was able to do so well is just like, hey, here's one page on how you, one can, page. How you can lose a ton of weight really easily. Yeah. And sometimes we can be kind of um, arrogant with how smart and spirit. Like, I was listening to uh, the uh, preview of a Bic Room documentary on Netflix. It's like, you know, Bic Room, uh, I don't know, it sends something terrible about him. And uh, in that, one of the little sound bites that he had was Bic Room saying, like, you're not nearly intelligent, spiritual, or profound, or deep enough to even understand a bit of me, or something. Something like I didn't say exactly that, but like you wouldn't even be able to begin to understand this. Right. I'm like, well, all right, well, great, thanks, thanks bro. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for putting the wall up. You yeah. know, now um, where do we go from here? Yeah, you know, and so much, much better is God. to. And we're always doing that with communication. You know, we're always attuning to each other, and the people that we love and trust the most are the people that are like us. You know, so uh, in the book, I call it uh, the fitness of empathy is the your facial expressions, your ability to contort and go through all those different ranges of motion within your face and your postural patterns allows you to create rapid rapport with, you know, anybody because you can do that improvisation to be able to meet them where they're at. Whereas right. if you're stuck in your, oh, I'm surfer bro bra guy or I'm yogi person or I'm military crew cut guy. You'll get along with all the military crew cut people, but all of a sudden yoga chick comes in or whatever, and you're just like, I don't know how to, it's like a box in a triangle, I can't fit it. You know, right. so if you have more freedom of range of motion and mobility and, you know, movement capacity in your body, uh, you'll get laid more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real, man. Yeah, my girlfriend is uh, a dancer. And uh, she grew up actually as a gymnast, um, and she has amazing posture because she's so aware of it, man. Dancers are just, I mean, they're looking at themselves, doing these different movements for hours a day. And she, the thing that she always tells me is pretend like you have a string attached to the top of your head, and it's kind of just pulling you up. Yeah, the back of the head in particular. Back of the head in particular. Okay, I like that. Because if it's on the front, then it'll pull your chin up, and it'll put you into that forward head posture. Yeah, man. No, it's uh, it's cool for me to hear about this kind of stuff, because I still have this kind of grouchy posture from being a surfer. Mm. uh, And... Man, throughout this whole last month of like making the the mofas happen, my girlfriend just kept grabbing my shoulders and just like, pull them back. Okay, yeah. just pull them back. Ah, like, oh wow, well, we that can get works. we can get trapped inside of our body. There's a quote from uh, I think it's Laura Luxemburg. And it's, if we those who do not move will not notice their chains, you know, and that can be again metaphor for everything we're talking about with all the everything else, like the earth. Fuck, that's a good quote powerful that's powerful yeah. yeah i got another one for you right back at you oh hit me habits begin as cobwebs and end as chains oh wow yeah same shit yeah same same similar i mean it's the exact same of what of what you're saying with the uh the golf swing yeah. right if it's just a little off in the beginning yeah well so so with within the the luxembourg quote the um some of those postural patterns that you're alluding to that i think you've noticed in your own self they all have internal, mental, emotional, even like the way that you access memories, they have an effect on the way that you inhabit your your mind. And so when you're in a certain grouchy, Grinch-like posture, you start to feel a little bit more that way. You feel a little more stressed, like, okay, I got a lot of shit I gotta do, I gotta get this done. You know, whereas you're like, woo, like upright, shoulders back, arms up overhead, like you're dancing, like what are those squiggly, inflated 
car dealy. Wacky, wa- wacky, we inflatable. That's in so fucking weird. That's so <laughs> we weird. Always I haven't come back. It's only. That's it's so time. funny that you said it's that. The first time we've talked about it <laughs> ever. since the last since podcast. The last time, like two that's years fucking ago. epic, dude. <laughs> And we couldn't say it last time when we can't say it now, but we both have the image in our mind. That's funny. That is really funny. I swear to God, I do not reference those ever, hence why I don't know what to call them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm not done with my point. No, yeah. I think I am done. Well, yeah, the, whatever. The, the, Your posture the, forms the, the way you think and you feel. Yeah, and, and it also is in just to reference how what we feel we deserve yeah. also. I, 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 yeah, I think true. that, uh, well, I, you know, I... I from the time I was 18 years old, decided that I wanted to be a journalist and a professional surfer. And cool. people were like, I don't know, you can do that? And I'm like, fuck yeah, you can do that. I'm going to bring a camera on these surf trips. And we're going to start telling these stories. Right. And then whenever I would tell people, oh, what do you do? I'd be like, oh, well, I like, I'm a pro surfer, but I'm also like not one of the best pro surfers, you know? So like if I, if I tell people like, oh, I have the same job as Kelly Slater, makes me feel like a fucking douchebag, yeah. right? And then also, if, I, if I'm like, oh, I'm a journalist, I'm like, well, I'm going to tell people I have the same job as Matt Taibbi? Right. Like, that makes me sound like a douchebag, too. So, I've I, and my whole, you know, from the time I was 18, like, I was never getting monthly checks. I was getting these, like, you know, I would finish a project, and I would then make some money off of it. And I would finish a new project. Like really, when I started the podcast and like getting sponsors and pat- patrons on the podcast, that was the first time I was getting like a monthly income of any kind that validated me. And all of that is to say that sometimes, and I still feel this, like I don't really have a job. Like sometimes I feel like I have five jobs. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a fucking dilly dallying. Like and that might not that might seem silly. Like people might be like, "Oh, but you're doing this, this, and this," but that's the way it feels to me. So I still have something where I'm like, "Yeah, I don't really deserve it." I, I minimize everything that I do, yeah. and and in that, maybe that's why I have slouched shoulders. I, yeah, I mean, I don't dis- I don't I don't disagree. I think I think there's a lot of angles to it, and I think what I said before, if I just left it at that, of like you know, the fitness of empathy. And if you're a military person, then you might not be able to create rapid rapport, which sounds like a cheesy name, but be able to connect with somebody quickly. Um, that's just like yogi dancer, improv person. Well, improv person, because they do improv, they'll be able to adapt to you probably easily, which will smooth that out. But within that, there is something to, um, you know, balancing each other, you know? So if you are typically, if you are very feminine and throw colors at the wall and flexible and mobile in the book, I call it the bendy archetype. I have five archetypal postural patterns in there and personalities that match all of them. So the bendy archetype, then they would actually be seeking balance. A lot of hula hoops with the bendy archetype. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. But they, but that person actually, they wouldn't get so much value from being with someone that's just another bendy. They probably Mm. hang out with mostly bendy people. So if you go to a party, you'll see 20 bendy people. Oh yeah. But the person that I actually want to have sex with will more typically be someone that's a little bit more like stable, linear, structured so that they can put all their colors and their, you know, confetti and all that stuff within the the, the confines of that box to be contained. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it makes a ton of sense, right? Opposites attract. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to finish this fucking puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> you're the same shape piece. So, so you're. I want to get back to what you're talking about in regards to this project being the first one that you feel like you can really look yourself in the eye and be like, "Yeah, I gave it my all." Yeah. Like, win or lose, I I went down swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, what was 
what, what was the hardest part about this project? Sometimes I was really blown away by, um, I felt like an artist in like Renaissance times and I felt like the church had commissioned me to create this painting and, you know, I'm like starting with nothing and I'm like, well, I mean, I had the proposal and I had the structure of it and all that stuff. And I had a co-writer as well, Phil White. He's, he's co-written with like Laird Hamilton and, and you know, X, XBT and Kelly Starrett and Pavel Tatsula, all these sorts of great people. He's like a, a really huge asset to it. So it was very helpful. Um, but it's interesting creating something. I mean, I could say the same thing with like the motherfucker awards to have that, you know, go from nothing. This just idea to all of a sudden all these people in this room and you know, celebrity comedian people, except the thing that's like, you know, so that was probably, there'd be lots of moments of like, okay, there's nothing here. And I don't know that I am responsible enough to create something meaningful enough to share with people that have meaningful opinions. And so I'd have these little moments of like, what? Like, <laughs> they made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, I tricked the church. Right. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> and they all and they already bought the art supplies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Am> I done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when would that come up for you? Would it come up right before you would go to bed? Would you have like uh, panic flashes, or was there like a time in the day that you would have these like? It was just the moments was, of falling. It was kind of an in and out, consistent thing at random times for the first like half to close to maybe two thirds of creating the book. And then eventually we got to a point where and there were some moments where I was like, I don't really know. I don't think this is, I don't think this is it. You know? And I'm like, I don't know if I can make it it. And then there was a certain point where like the, you know, the rock rolled over the, over the top of the hill. And I'm like, no, this is meaningful. You know? And the big thing was getting that validation. Cause when you're inside of any project, you're typically too close to actually know what the hell is going on. And so I would send it to these people that I've been respecting deeply for, you know, over a decade and like following their work. Now I've been able to create relationships with them through the podcast, mostly send chapters out to them and be like, dude, this is good. And then I'm like, all right, cool. Like we're in, you right. know? but it wasn't, I mean, I'm like, I'm from listening to myself in this conversation. It seems very apparent that I uh, crave validation. <laughs> Yeah, we all do. We, we all do for sure. And yeah. and if you look, if you're putting something out into the world, you're doing it to be validated. Yeah, putting anything anything out into the world is an act of ego. So you may as well admit it. If you're just like, I don't really care what other people think of this book. Well, then why'd you write the book for other people? But I think there is a point that one can come to where they are actually like channeling in quotations in a sense i mean i notice this personally if i'm like smoking some weed or eating some mushrooms or something like that like i'm just like out of the way aaron like we're right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is like okay cool you know and then be able to step back and usually you have to kind of like spruce it up a little bit and have like you know a sober editor in new york kind of like go over it yeah um but from i feel like within that i think there's also something this sounds a little cheesy perhaps but there's almost like a responsibility to you know, allow others, the, the tribe, to like check that out. If it's for whatever reason, the oracle of you know the mushroom gods decided to come through and like speak through your hand, you know. Yeah, you got to ask for that. Feedback. I'm not saying that's what I'm doing. I'm not a channel or whatever. No, or, but you know, but, but yeah, it's it's a fine tightrope walk to walk to be okay with yourself as you're putting your heart and soul into something while also really knowing that 
no matter what, if you look back in five years yeah, at this book, you're going to think that, oh, oh I could have done yeesh. that and this. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just a little kid. Right. It's just a little bitch. You hope. You hope to, right? Because <laughs> it's been five years, you're looking back and you're saying, wow, that was, that was my the best, best I thing. Could do. That was the best I'll ever do. That's sad, right? But uh, it's, yeah, you, you got to ask for the feedback because yeah. people won't give it to you unless you're really requesting how you can make it better. Yeah, you have to ask for, and also be specific about asking for constructive feedback and not just like, hey, what do you think of this? You think it's good? Yeah, no, hey, say, do you think it's good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> say like, what would you like to see different about this? Yeah. Like, what would you, like, if you had to pick something to change, like, what, what would it be? And if they respond like, if they really think there's nothing to change, you know, they'll tell you that. Right. You know, but if you set it up with like, what I'm looking for is constructive feedback right now. Um, from there, you're, you're opening it up. It's like open season for them to be like, okay, I'm gonna really tell you what I think. Yeah, I'd so much rather just have everyone tell me it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's so much. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same like full circle. Like if we don't have the micro traumas, then eventually it grows up into a macro trauma. So if you don't have the micro traumas of people being honest with you about your work as you're developing it, at yep. some point you'll release it and no one's going to give a fuck. And you'd be like, well, but everybody said it was great the whole time. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, you know, one, one phenomenon of wealthy people, uh, that they, they, notices that the fun the the wealthier they get the funnier they become sure at least the people around them <laughs> ah you oh aaron you always aaron with the jokes ah, hey can i can i get on the, the can i get on the fucking wagon you're please so handsome yeah, yeah no God, and, and that shit, it feels great and it wow. feels good because life's hard and if you think that you suck deep down which you know a lot of very ambitious people are are operating from that space of lack they yeah. really want someone to be like dude you are on it this is great so you start you can't really blame people for wanting to surround themselves with yes men but then they wake up one day and they are truman in the truman show you know because no, no one's really being honest with them yeah so yeah it's you gotta ask for it you'll begin to you'll, be, you'll begin to um be bored by that though i think you know, you get to a point where it's like it's like if you're playing tennis, unless the people you're around truly are that much smarter than you and they can play like an infinite game with you as opposed to a finite game. To use that same metaphor as before. Um, and they can keep you right at your edges and they're playing tennis with you and they're just barely letting you win. Well, then you have some supportive gurus that you hang out with. And that's quite fine. You know, yeah. but if they're just letting you smoke them all the time, it's just, it gets boring. Yeah. So how have you asked for help from people that uh, you consider mentors? You know, these are busy people yeah. who have their own shit going on. What is the way that you will ask for help to get it? I try to help at least many, many times before asking for help. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? Hey, let's let me promote your thing. Hey, let me do a, a rolfing bodywork session with you. Hey, let me help you move. Hey, let me help you just whatever the free. Oh, I noticed you had this. Thing. Oh, you're doing a party. I'd love to help you with the guest list or fucking whatever. Yeah, like you're doing a thing. I know you're doing a thing. I appreciate what you're doing. Anywhere you can fit me is like a nut when you're you know your your machine machine. Yeah. You know, just it's screw great. me in there anywhere. Like I'll, I'll I'll make it happen. Yeah, and then with time, eventually. Um, you've been, I mean, it sounds kind of vulgar, but a, a nut on enough people's machines that those people you've are... You've been on enough people's nuts for long <laughs> enough <laughs> that... I don't know how to not make it they, My mind is unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> they, they, then they go down on you. Uh, but so, eventually, if you've been, you know, that person enough times to enough people, and that's something that a mistake that I think I've made 
is you, know, you think you help one person or you create value for one person or you get on one person's podcast or whatever it may be and you think wow like it's that's it yeah I, we i made it yeah you're like uh-uh. no, no 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 it's like you do that you stack that for five years 10 years whatever and you've been a service to the tribe in so many capacities from so many different angles that now all of a sudden there's this matrix that's grown around and all the elders of the tribe are like Young Kyle, <laughs> get off my nuts! It's time to get off my nuts. We'd like to be on yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to support and, you getting a nut. And 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 one thing I'd add to that too, because we're we're the product of our influences, and yeah. you know we're we're all standing on the shoulders of others. Is uh, really respect their time. Fuck yeah! Like that's that's what because I, I get a lot of emails from people, as I'm sure you do too, and. I try and respond as best I can, but please make your question it be in the first sentence. Sure. And make it specific. If I send an email, it's going to be, for one thing, each idea is going to be no longer than two sentences, and they'll be broken up into little paragraphs. So if I have two ideas, ideally it's only one idea, but if I have two ideas, it'll be, you know, hey, comma, or exclamation point, or whatever, and then it'll be sentence, idea, and then return, sentence idea and then best AA or just AA or whatever. And so it's just like, you know, it's the simplest little email. And then also one could add, like, if you don't respond, like it's all good. I, to- yeah. I totally get it. That's a big one. Yeah. All, yeah. Always say like, Hey, I know that you're a busy person, so I'm not presuming anything. Yeah. And also looking at it from the perspective of that person and actually read the email or the text or the IG message or whatever it is. Um, read it from their perspective and actually see how am I, because I'm in this person's shoes, how am I getting more value from this person than, than they are from me right. in this transaction that is this message? Yeah. And if the answer is like, oh, yeah, totally. I actually need somebody to do my Instagram DM, I don't know, message, I don't know, whatever, like whatever the thing is that this person might need from said, you know, you reaching out to them, um, make sure that it's about them and not about you. Yeah, you and I are similar also in the way that we've really leveraged what we have. Like, we we are, like, what can I, I can offer surf lessons. Mm-hmm. The amount of get podcast guests I've had on who are super busy people who uh, have no reason to come on my podcast but have said yes just because I've said, hey, man, I'll take you surfing. You ever tried that before? Oh, and they're cool. like, no, that's... Great awesome yeah like in with you with rolfing and body work like yeah. if you just ask what what do i have in my life that can create value and it sometimes need money. And sometimes it's not anything right now and it might be something in two years or five years or maybe never um but continuing to force and i've done this i've like burnt relationships where i was too uh like adamant about like i really want to you know connect with you in whatever capacity and yeah, it's the, now it's, they're like, oh, Aaron, that fucking weirdo. Yeah. Like, no, the, he's on the he's on the off list. Yeah. Well, it's that <laughs> it's the fed dog uh, scenario. You know, if, if there's a dog and it's laying down and it seems happy and content, you're going to go over and you you're want gonna, to pet it. You're going to pet it. If you're uh-huh. you know, that one of those little chihuahua yeah. dogs. Get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. That's like God's trick or universes or fucking what, Allah or whatever. Yeah. It's like if you don't need anything, then you will get if you very apparently need something then all of a sudden everyone runs away my favorite analogy is um if you grip or the metaphor is if you grip sand in your hand too tightly mm. it'll slip through your fingers but if you hold the sand in the palm of your hand that's the way you can do it mm. 
I like the monkey. This is the last one. Then we gotta wrap this thing up. But the monkey that holds on to the to, a way to catch a monkey, um, in like whatever Indo or whatever places where there's monkeys, and they want to catch them and eat them. Um, they'll get a coconut, and then their hand can get into the coconut, and then they'll put some type of food item inside the coconut, and then they reach in, and when they grab the food, they make a fist, and then they won't let go of the coconut because they're holding on to the food, and then the hunter can come and kill them because they they won't let go of the food. Whoa. That's dark. There's another analogy. There's like two fucking podcasters. It's just like back and forth with metaphors and analogies <laughs> and last quotes. One. Well, this is how I hide from anything that's actually like meaningful and from my, my heart. I can just give you analogies and quotes. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what Peter Atia said once was, and you know, Tim Ferriss also had this quote. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're like, I shouldn't be here. I'm not enough. I'm, validate me, please. Is is anyone listening? <laughs> Someone. So the other analogy. Okay. Yeah, last one. And then we really because I got another yeah. person coming in. Like probably they're probably here right now. Um, but it was this was Ramdas, full circle Ramdas. Um, he was talking about creatures lower in the evolutionary hierarchy. If you put them in like research, you put a glass wall between them and food. They'll just press their nose up and try to keep on getting the food until eventually they starve and die by pressing their face up against this glass wall and not getting through. But then as creatures become more evolved, they'll start to go along the side of the glass and walk around and kind of figure out the maze to they have to first look away from the food in order to eventually arrive at the food. But as long as your little nose is pressed up against the glass wall trying to force yourself into the food. Or you get a little fucking hammer and you break that glass. Break Hoorah! That, break that motherfucker. Donald fucking Trump. That was a good way to finish it up. Yeah. Um, where should people go from here? People, I guess, check out the motherfucker awards. I, how, how do people imbibe this into their their minds? Uh, well, the motherfucker awards. Uh, I mean, you, if you're gonna do an intro, you can just tell them what it is. Uh, or, but I mean, it's a comedy show where we celebrate companies that screw Mother Earth and get comedians to go up and they accept the awards on their That's behalf. Awesome. So it's a way that we can bring out a lot of these dark. Oh, we didn't really tell what the motherfucker awards is. No, but it's I'm sorry. It's fine. No worries. Dude, that's classic like three year old psychology. I just assume everybody is in right. my mind. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You can, uh, they'll, they'll get it. Um, what is the motherfucker awards? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it's a comedy show where we uh, we celebrate corporations that screw Mother Earth and we bring out a lot of dark information in the funniest possible way. Uh, but they can go to motherfuckerawards.com to check that out. Also on our Instagram, we post all these really funny videos. Uh, and then if they want to check out my podcast, it's called the Kyle Tierman Show, which this will be obviously aired on. This is. We're listening to the Lion Podcast, maybe, or the Kyle Tierman yeah. Show, maybe. This will be going out both sides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they can check it out, and probably a good uh, good one to start with. Man, I just did a really good interview with a guy named Jody Armour. He's a criminal justice attorney. He was the black guy with the big afro, mm. and he did. He was just magic, man. Like He broke down the U.S. criminal justice system in a way that I've really never heard before. So, if people are interested, that's a, that's a good one to start with. Cool. Sweet. Yeah, and you? What's uh, where can people check out your stuff? Well, I mean, the book is the most relevant thing right yeah, now. Yeah, buy so, my book. So the Align Method book. If, if I don't know when this goes out, I'd imagine it's probably after December twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen. I, I can put it out before whenever. Okay, cool. So if it's before that, um, thealignbook.com, If people grab it from there, um, there'll be some extras. So getting some instructional videos on uh, how to align your travel and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and yeah, that's been like my, it's my most proud project by far that I've ever been involved with. And it was like a tribal effort of just all of what I could 
find in the world of like world-class thinkers of how to integrate better movement into your life and what that means and why it matters gets into the way that sound affects your physiology the way that sight affects your physiology body language it's essentially like an east eastern philosophy meets western mechanics is the way that we describe it guidebook on how to drive your body good stuff well i'm gonna start hanging after this podcast Hang, spend some time on the ground give somebody a you know a testicle tickle all right give him a hug <laughs> aaron alexander everyone <laughs> that's it thank you very much <laughs> testicle tickles with aaron alexander that's our show i'm gonna play you out a song called mr redbeard by sleep north america these guys listened to the podcast and they sent me some music this is a slower kind of gloomier song but today is a slow gloomy day where i'm recording from so i'm gonna play a song that matches that and I uh, hope that you enjoy it and I hope that you have a slow and unrushed day. Once again, thank you very much to Santa Cruz Medicinals for sponsoring each and every one of these podcasts. Head over to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name Kyle10 and get yours. And you can sign up for my weekly newsletter by heading over to my website, kyle.surf. Uh, they're usually just kind of funny short stories. Um, so if you'd like that, uh, kyle.surf, that's where you can get it. With that, I hope you all have a wonderful day and hope you enjoy the song by Sleep North America called Mr. Redbeard. Yeah.
See you.